Good evening and welcome back from spring break to a, uh, another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. How are you, Rob? I'm I'm still working my brain back into um, the real world from spring break. Uh, yes. You had I, a- I need to apologize. This won't matter to any of the listeners out there, but I had several false, false starts tonight um, because <laughs> of my complete inability to get back onto a real world schedule where I messed up every time. No, no. And we had, what, two or three yeah. times when I said I was ready and then I turned out I still had other things to do. So, <laughs> so I apologize, Todd, but thank you for sticking with me. And no I'm, problem. I'm happy to be back. Looking, yeah. looking forward to having this conversation tonight. Good, good. Yeah, we're all happy to be here. And uh, yeah, thank you to everybody for the patience the last couple of weeks. We just um, real world got in the way as it has a little bit this spring. Um, but I think it's safe to say, Rob, we're kind of, um, so I, I did some math here, quick calculations before we got on. It is 138 days to middle Tennessee at Bridge Force Stadium. Wow. It, it, I know it is 73 days to July 1st, which is official start the official. of the Sunbelt era. It is four, how, how many, how many yeah. days, if you don't want me to jump yeah. in here, as far as until season ticket deposits are due. Um, That's May, right? May? Yeah, May 15th. So, uh, well, I am I know excited th- about that. I, I, yeah. I'm really curious to see what the number is this year. And yeah, there's I've some rumors. I think we're hearing some rumors and yeah. some, uh, some leaks that uh, things are going really well, like maybe mm-hmm. to the point where um, they you, might, you might even be re- concerned. Yeah. You might want to be concerned and you might. Um, they may have to um, rethink the number of student tickets even. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like really, really solid stuff, especially I think because of the, you know, the JMU interest is out of control, but I also think there's a real sense of, um, you know, visiting teams are going to take their allotments this year, you know, um, are going to fill their, their sections, uh, yeah. which is really exciting too. So yeah, 73 days to the Sun Belt. I, I did actually two more, Rob, 40 days to the women's lacrosse national championship, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the last potential JMU game of the CAA era, I guess. Um, you know, it, it, our fingers are crossed. Uh, we're going to talk lac- lacrosse a little later in the show. Um, th- needless to say, they are playing well <laughs> right now. <Yeah>. Um, Understatement. <laughs> yes. Um, but even if they don't make it all the way to the Final Four, you know, uh, 32 days, the last scheduled game is baseball versus UNC Wilmington, um, which would be the last, also is guaranteed the last thing on Flow Sports, um, which we will talk about also in overtime tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, the time is, it's really here, Rob. And I think it's safe to say we're kind of in it for the summer this year and a yeah. little more excited than we have been for past summers. Uh, we're going to be talking Northeast Arkansas athletics next week with um, some, we're going to talk Arkansas state red wolves next week, back to our Sunbelt preview series a little bit. Uh, we also potentially this summer, Rob, I, we're working on this, but we may have a big nerd surprise for our, uh, you know, our readers, our literary crew out there. <laughs> we, need, a, we need to have a special um, Jamie sports blog book club, book club edition yeah, well, where we, we will, yeah. we, we will, we will get the name of the book out there and let people take, take yeah. a gander and offering up some questions for the author. We'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. yeah this summer is going to be really fun. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say tonight, um, please rate and review us. We haven't said this in a long time and we're kind of back for good now. 
uh, through, you know, with possible 4th of July type exceptions. Um, but wherever you get this podcast, we, we would appreciate it as we head into the new era. Um, if you haven't done it in a while, go in there and rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. And as and always, share it. Sure. Yeah, if you enjoy it, please share it with friends. It's like, we, we have a lot of fun doing this, but it's always more fun if we reach more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so by all means, if you're enjoying this one, God bless you. And, yes. and <laughs> we, we appreciate your questionable taste, but to uh, go ahead and share it and see if you can get more people out there and just kind of expand the tent a little bit. Yes. And we'll come back to Mossy at the end of the show. Um, what we wanted to get into tonight is we've got the spring game this Saturday, Rob. A, a Sunbelt mini preview. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I don't know, I listened, We've I think a lot of us probably have listened to a, a few of the Kurt Signetti interviews. Um, first of all, Kurt Signetti, three-year contracts extension through the 2027 season. Um, I think we all kind of anticipated something like this was coming because I think there was some contract language when he got the job if they switched conferences. Um, it was like an automatic plus. Yeah, there was a, yeah, he had to be like at the median salary of the conference or something. So, I mean, there was going to be some, some form of, you know, re renegotiating the contract at this point. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. You know, I, it remains to be seen. And I think there's a lot of questions to be answered over the next couple of years, but I also think it's a very fair and decent thing to do right now. Um, I thought it was interesting. I've listened to a few of Signetti's interviews in the last week and, uh, you know, he mentioned like JMU nation is getting ready to, uh, encounter some things that they have not encountered much in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like challenges, right. And that the players needed to be ready to be resilient. And, you know, he didn't say it, but I couldn't help thinking the fans also need to be ready to be resilient a little bit Yeah, uh, at times. And there's uh, a lot of like, people predicting CAA type records going in. And I I love the confidence. Yeah. It was a Um, little frustrating. I mean, I got into that one last week when somebody, whatever that site was that said we were going to go two and 10 or two and 11, two and nine. Oh, ignore those. And I'm like, "Eh, come on. That's that's crap. That's crap. Like, I, I don't really think we're going two and nine. I also don't think we're going nine and two. So, you know, but I, I think was, yeah. most of the people believe we're going <laughs> no. nine and two. No, no. Well, I and hope we go nine and two, but let's let's. I hope we do too. I and I don't think we need to lower the bar or say that like a three win season is in any way satisfactory. Like I want Jamie to compete, but I hope it's not a a fair weather fan type situation. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I don't think to think it will, but like if people really are expecting, you know, a two loss season, I. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope people can support the team regardless. I think JMU is well positioned to be very competitive in the very near future in, in the Sun Belt. Yes. But they're yeah. going to be done. This is not the CA. There are going to be years inevitably where you're not at the, you're not competing for conference championships. Um, yep. We might be now, it might be, hopefully it's not for a while. It could be five years from now, six years from now. It could be the next two or three years. It could be a slow climb. Like Jamie will do well. They're going mm-hmm. to be competitive. They're going to compete for championships, but this is not the CA where you can kind of pencil JMU in for a top one or two finish year in and year out. Nope. Nope. But, um, but I hope, th- I think this year is going to be fun no matter what. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And so, you know, that part's going to be really cool. So, yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, but that's the first thing we want to do. We're actually going kind of fall style here, Rob, and we're going to do four downs, but really four questions uh, leading into the spring game this weekend. And these are kind of like, what are our, you and I's biggest question? This could be coaching. It could be recruiting. It could be a position group, a player, you know, um, whatever you want it to be. Uh, I know for me, I kind of was thinking about uh, position groups in particular, you know, about places that I am unsure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I'll, you started off, Rob. What would your what's your first question leading? Oh, into? I get to go first. And I, yeah, and I think I will say this. I mean, I, just listening to Signetti and watching the practices a little bit this week, uh, the spring game. There's a lot of guys out um, for various reasons, and obviously, as we know, in the spring, like they're not going to rush anyone who's got anything, you know, like they're Chris Thornton is like basically healthy. I heard him say Cole Potts is basically healthy, but both of them haven't been practicing this week because they have like a, you know, a twinge of something. Yeah. They're dinged up, you know, the kind of thing like, and and you're not going to rush a guy out there, um, you know, for a spring game. So there's been a lot of young players and transfers and stuff playing, uh, right now in the spring. Which can be a positive. Oh, I think it's a real positive. Um, but I, it's just—it's also to say that I don't know that Saturday is totally indicative of what we're going to see come fall, especially with this new like all the portal stuff. Like it feels like every roster in the country is going to have a second turnover after their spring games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know who knows what's to come. Um, but what would be your first question coming into this weekend? Well, I get the easy and the obvious one. Yeah. It's the quarterbacks. Give me one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, and there's um, been news on that front. Yeah. There's been, is it news or is it just people like us that are trying to create news and trying to read whatever, whatever is said or not said as some sort of endorsement of, uh, of one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. And Todd, you and I are as guilty of this as anybody. We have been on the bandwagon for Alonzo Barnett since he signed largely due to the fact that you're familiar with his high school. And so we understood how impressive it was that he was able to take a team that was typically not competitive and make them very competitive Mm -hmm. in a pretty good region of the country in the triad down there. So we've been very high on this kid and we really felt like he was a hidden gem and Jamie maybe was stealing one. Mm-hmm. Because he was from a, a well, I think not very strong program. No, and I, I think the background of like his dad being a yes. college player and, and a, yeah. you know, kind of semi-pro, like that he had the kind of understanding of like mm-hmm. how to be, how to go about his business a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some things that were really encouraging in that way. Um, but yeah. He was, he was a relatively early commit yes. too. And, and like I actually, he was a guy that I thought – he committed early, yep. and I was like, oh, man, this is one of these COVID situations where he's flying under the radar, yep. and now he's going to play in the fall, and some bigger team is going to sweep in and take him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be crushed, and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. We've seen this before. Yep. That did not happen. He stuck with it. He was an early enrollee. I am very excited to see this guy as QB. <laughs> I know. We're so bad. It's so it's bad. It's so bad. Like, I, I, I am everything – I kind of turn my nose up at and make fun of in most years. Everybody else of like, you know, the backup QB yeah. being the most popular kid in every, yeah. in every college town and the most popular, you know, an adult in every NFL town. Like, yeah, it's just bad. But like, I'm really excited to see like, okay, is this just like, <laughs> is Signetti just kind of saying, Hey, this kid is further along than we'd think for an early enrollee or is he really in the running 
to start not only at JMU, but at JMU in its first year in the Sun Belt. Um, and then also like I, on the counter side or, or the flip side, I feel like everybody's kind of ignored Teddy. Mm-hmm. Where people yeah. were very granted, this is what his third school. He was Temple, then then CSU back. Yeah. He had some games that really had some eye popping numbers in the fall. I mean, he he's a starting FBS quarterback coming here. Um, in many ways, appears to be maybe like perfectly suited yeah. to lead JMU in this year of transition. Um, where he's kind of got nothing to lose, but he's been there before, so it's kind of the good, happy medium. And um, and then you also got Billy Atkins. So like, well, that's the thing. I, for me, I'm like Atkins looks, and he looks strong. And like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, uh, I know this is going to be. I did say so, just to kind of level set us all. Signetti said today, or I don't know when he had the interview with um, JMU in the last couple of days, but he said. This has gone from a two-person race to a three-person three person. competition, yeah. and it will definitely go into the fall. Like yes. a decision will not be made after the spring season. I don't think there's personally. I don't think there's anything to read into that. I think you take that at face value. That he feels like he hasn't been able to make the decision. You know, um, he's obviously the questions like you and I. The questions from whether it's the Breeze reporters or the WHSV reporters. You know, the questions are about Alonzo Barnett because he was not the guy. I think we all thought Centeo or Atkins was, you know, co- sort of ahead. I think we all thought it was Centeo, then Atkins, and yeah, then Barnett. Yeah, we thought that was Redshirt. the obvious yeah. thing. And it's kind of been like there's been comments from coaches and stuff saying Barnett has looked sharp, has looked good, has obviously worked his way into the competition um, in a legitimate way. But yeah, you're right. And I also think with Santeo in particular, like I, he started FBS games, many of them. Right? Yes. And so like- And played well. And I'm doing the same thing. I can't wait to talk to Evangelista this summer. You know, once all the roster is sort of finalized, we'll hopefully get to talk to him again. But like, you know, I'm doing what every other dork fan is doing, which is like, I'm watching Zapruder each quarterback. Yes, I'm yeah. Zapruder filming, like each quarterback making one throw in a breeze clip, you know, on Twitter and then trying to figure it out. And I, I, and, and See, I'm like, it's even worse. I'm seeing you tweet those and send those people and I'm yeah. rolling my eyes and then I'm watching them 50 times. Right, exactly. So like, I'm just, I'm right there with you. Well, and I think to myself like, okay, well like that ball from Santeo is a little outside, but then I think like, okay, he's also seen an FBS pass rush. Oh, he's accounting and, for the defense. Yeah. And right. Versus- well, it maybe isn't accounting for the defense in these, in these on air throws. But, like, let's see Atkins and Barnett make these throws in the spring game, you know, against pressure instead of just on air, you know. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I keep thinking, like, Atkins played, you know, he, he had his moments last year. I mean, he got his chances and, and took, you know, made the most of them. He certainly looks like a guy, I mean, again, I mean, I said this about softball, but, I mean, just looking at him, he looks like a guy who is now a second or third year college player. Like he's hit the weight room, done the strength and conditioning, done his work. He doesn't look tiny out there. Barnett's pretty small, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. I mean, so I, I have no sense what to make of this, Rob, but you're right. It's going to be really fun. I mean, we're probably going to get what, two series each from the three of them this week? We're going to learn nothing. We're no, all going to see what we want to see. If Thornton, I, who knows if Thornton's going to play. So like mm-hmm. beyond that, I don't know like 
who are they going to throw to? Um, but it's still going to be fun to watch. Uh, and, and we're not rooting. I, look, you know, I don't know how this all works, but the, the two things I'll say about Barnett, one, he's a freshman. So true freshman. So he could redshirt. And still year, be a four-year starter. still be a four-year starter. Yes. Right. Yeah. So there's no like particular rush. He would really have to separate himself, I think, to get the job. Um, but two, we know Signetti's personal history involves Davis starting Cheek. Davis mm-hmm. Cheek as a true freshman who became like a five or six year starter at Elon. Right. I mean, for reasons well out of his control, but like Signetti has obviously, and that was when Elon really started their ascent to a quality program. It, the FB, FCS level was when Davis Cheek went in there. I mean, that's the team that beat Jamie. So yeah, I mean, who knows? We're, we're, we're probably overthinking this, but it, it's good to see a, it's good to see that Barnett is, seems to be like a legitimate player, you know, um, like the competition is a good thing. So, and, and I, I hope it's we're good. not I, all, honestly, I yeah. honestly think the best case scenario is him just, rising to the level of really making it a tough decision, mm-hmm. but ultimately letting it go to Santeo or something like that. Let him red shirt. Yeah. And then just kind of hit the ground running next year. Yeah. I mean, uh, I and get four years. I mean, even if he was a three year starter, that doesn't happen at JMU. No. I mean, cause Atkins would have that chance right now too. Yeah. You know, Atkins and, um, could be, I mean, I mean, actually that'd be great. If Atkins could win the job to, you know, for two years and then have whatever we're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves, but the, the mere fact that it has become a competition, I don't think is, is due to the fact that the other guys are not playing well. No, I think it's from what I can tell and either, you know, Signetti either has quite the poker face or <laughs> he's just, you know, like some yeah. sort of evil genius. But like, I think <laughs> all guys are playing well. I don't think it's a case of like Teddy is not, is not living up to his billing or, or mm-hmm. Atkins or anything else. I think it's just what you see is what you get. Like you said, it's face value. Yep. I think all three guys are playing good football. Yep. That's a, that's what, that's what the hope is. Yep. And um, yeah, we'll see on that note. I will go to our second question, Rob. I really, this goes along with the QB. Um, I have no idea what to expect from the wide receiver position. No, that was going to be my second one. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, we know Chris Thornton is going to be there, uh, whether he's there this weekend or not, you know, remains to be seen, but he's obviously the leader. Um, there's been some like, I don't know. I, I don't want to call him, you know, the reporters that cover JMU day to day in spring practice are, you know, what do they know either? Right. They, there's, yeah. you know, they're seeing a half team out there, but, it seems to be a lot of like Chris Thornton light type players from the Mm -hmm. portal, like other small, fairly quick guys. I think Thornton is unique in that his, you know, speed and agility are, are really at the next level. I mean, they really are FBS caliber. Mm -hmm. We've we've seen him prove that on the field over the last two seasons. Um, But I don't know anybody else. I I don't know who's going to play at that position. I mean, I'm excited. I, I think Devin Ravenel, yeah, and you got know. a couple transfers. Yeah, and then you got yeah. some transfers that I haven't Mon-Mays seen, don't know DC, a lot about. Yeah. But um, you know, this has been a position that I don't think we've had. Even when we've had questions at the position the last few years, it's largely been because of like injury or depth or who's going to play or who's not going to play. It hasn't kind of been like, do we have enough? Like, do we have five guys that are legitimate? 
And yeah. this year it feels like that's the one other group. Cause even the quarterback position just feels like we have three guys competing. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like we don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Right. It feels like somebody's going to win the job and that's fine. Where, and, and I don't know how you feel, but like offensive line and running back to me are strengths on this team going into the Sunbelt. Um, so receivers, the other position on offense that I'm just, I really have no idea about. So kind of excited to see what happens this week. I hope that someone steps up and, you know, kind of earns that position. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the position that, um, you know, if there is to be another incoming transfer post spring ball, um, you know, that, that certainly is one that I would keep my eye on. So who knows? Yeah. That wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Just the nature of college football today with so many like four and in yeah, some and cases five receiver sets. Yeah. And they've brought in like, they brought in an O-lineman, I think from, that's a kid from Liberty. Liberty. They brought in a transfer from another FBS transfer from on the D line. So like, I think they've already kind of, you know, started solving some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, receivers, the other one I'm really curious about on offense. So what about, what? Uh, what's another question for you this weekend, Rob? I mean, I, I don't think we'll learn that much due to the weird nature of these spring quote unquote games that are like mm-hmm. these weird scrimmages with almost oh, indecipherable yeah. rules. I'm going to play two quarters. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm curious to see what the defense is like. You know, post-Heatherman, mm-hmm. I'm not suspecting a lot of change. I think we're going to run the similar sort of system mm-hmm. due to the continuity of the other staff. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm anxious to see how that works out. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the player transitions, and we've got to replace a number of key positions, but just in terms of systems, mm-hmm. how it's all going to look, what 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 type of looks are thrown out there, and um, kind of give us a sneak peek. I imagine they haven't implemented that much new stuff. So due to the fact that it is just spring, Mm-hmm. And you do, you are working kind of a newer staff. It's not going to be a mass overhaul. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if they had a completely different coordinator type philosophy, mm-hmm. I don't think you could do that in this, just in the spring practice. Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of curious to see, like, it, are there things we should, we should look forward to like small tweaks mm-hmm. or key players or rotations even, you mm-hmm. know, like, are they going to be rotating in and out interior alignment, things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, just trying to get a little bit of a sneak peek of what we should expect from the defense. It's always been such a strength for JMU. Um, and for the first time in a number of years, really in my mind going into next season with quite a bit of uncertainty due to the, due to Heatherman's departure. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. And we'll kind of combine this with my other one, which is the D line in mm-hmm. particular is like one thing I'm curious about. And I think you're right to look at it. I hadn't been thinking about it as holistically as that, which is like, okay, we lost our really strong defensive coordinator and, you know, what are, what are we doing next? Um, but yeah, that's really important to look at. And then certainly it feels like there are some players, like we're pretty sure, not entirely sure, but we know some of the guys on the back end of the defense in this, right? I mean, we know Tucker Dorsey's probably going to be the leader of the entire defense in the middle. And I would think so. Yeah. Certainly, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's another somebody I don't know about who will be great at linebacker, but Tucker Dorsey is going to be involved as long as he's healthy. Uh, you know, Q Reed, Sam Kidd, there's some guys at safety, like in the back end that I think we feel pretty confident can play and will play. Uh, you know, so, but up front is the place that I think, you know, Mike Green was there for five years 
and he was just a rock for all of it. And last year, you know, there were some players. And, um, it was just it was a strength of the team last year, and I don't know exactly where that's where they're going and who's going to be, you know, who's going to step up this year. Um, mm-hmm. You get Isaac Uku back, but I, you know, there's there's guys that played, um, but there's not sort of an obvious four, I don't think yet. And so for me, that's the and, and can piece. we like get pressure with four, or is it going to be more of a stunt and blitzing type scenario? Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think we'll figure that out at during a spring game. Right. But that's one thing I'm kind of looking forward to learning about in the fall. Oh yeah. Do we have guys that can just you know line up in, in three technique and get after the quarterback, or are we going to need to bring pressure in other ways? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I mean. I mean, even guys like Thurston and Carpenter, they're guys that mm-hmm. have played there, but like they played at the FCS level and they were solid. But I don't know. You know, Bryce Carter last year, for example, was a, you know, a huge impact on that defense and the, the Towson transfer. And, you know, do we have someone like that who can just get to the quarterback? I mean, yeah. that's, Beat double I, it, teams it just feels are. to me like this team is going to, they're going to run the ball on offense. They're going to, their line and their running back set them up to be competitive throughout an FBS schedule. It doesn't mean they're going to win every game. You know, some of that's going to depend on quarterback and receiver and the stuff we talked about. But like the line is there, the running backs are there. They should be able to like move the ball a little bit, be competitive. On the back end of the defense, I think they can cover people pretty well. Um, but can they stand up? You know, both in an F to an FBS running game throughout a season, and can they get pressure on an FBS O line? You know, those are, to me are one, probably one of the biggest questions on this team. So I think those are both, yeah. I mean, I think that overall, and some of that goes to scheme and everything else. So that's that's a big good point, Rob. Yeah. And uh, those are our big ones. And then, uh, you know, honorable mention will be we'll be watching the specialist, Chamu, uh, obviously replacing some legends. Yeah. At the kicker and punter. That's a good. I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, it, and that's something you can. You know, maybe you can actually that's that's something more than a lot of other things. You can that, actually learn something. Yeah, you can maybe be able to learn something from a spring game. Um, you know, they're gonna line up and they're gonna play in the goal line, they're gonna do punts and kicks and stuff, and like, yeah, I mean, are we making kicks? <laughs> that's pretty black and white. So um, yeah, that's another one. So that's pretty fun to go through, and I'm looking forward to watching them this weekend. Uh and Rob, uh, we will try to watch this and break it down a little bit. And we'll see how next week goes. But in the next two weeks, we will have watched and broken this all, you know, ha- have some questions going into the spring, depending on. We'll depending have on all how the things. answers, Todd. No yes, questions. We'll have all, we'll the, have the, all answers, the answers. Right? Yes, we'll, we'll have fun with it. Yeah. So I, that's all I got going into that for football. Anything else from you, Rob? No, no. I think that's let's right. let's not belabor the point. Like, let's no. not pretend like we know any more than we do. We're just no. excited like everybody else. And. Uh, hopefully get a glimpse into some of these things yeah. a little bit more this weekend. So a quick old guys leave roundup of other JMU odds and ends. Um, Richard Davis is playing as we speak for the Tampa Bay bandits after the USFL game one was rained out last night, I think. Uh, but I think he's the only JMU player playing in the USFL. So uh, I did, it was funny. I actually looked at their roster today and the guy they have listed as 
Rashard Davis number 81 is very much not Rashard Davis. <laughs> it's like some like 300 pound white guy. And I was like, well, that's not the right person. Um, but he's playing uh, really cool news. I don't think we've talked about this, Rob, since the last time we recorded. Um, but the Sun Belt did officially announce the men's soccer is coming yeah. back to the Sun Belt. That and was it cool. is yeah. awesome, right? Because they're, it's JMU, Marshall, Old Dominion who are the new, the new Sun Belt members who now make enough with Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, and Georgia State. So that's the six they needed. But they're also going to be adding Kentucky and South Carolina from the SEC, who does not play men's soccer, and West Virginia from the Big 12. That's awesome. Like, yeah, from, that's a great league. That's really good league and really fun. I mean, that West Virginia, Marshall, JMU, Kentucky – like, ODU, that's a too. fun yeah. Yeah, ODU. Like that's a fun mix. I mean, I'm certain like the South Carolina coastal coastal's got to love being in a conference with South Carolina mm-hmm. in a sport. You know, that's really that's really fun for them. You know, um, and even Georgia Southern, Georgia State, like it's fun to play Kentucky and South Carolina. Those are meaningful things to fans. Um, you know, playing those teams, and it sounded even like Kentucky and West Virginia. I didn't hear much about South Carolina, but it sounded like even those schools were pretty pleased. With how it all shaped out. Yeah. yeah, like for them, they've been kind of flying all over the place to play in like, I don't know, the American or some other weird thing. This is a much better thing. For, that's a... Yeah, it's so weird. Like the, know, the, the soccer and lacrosse conference affiliations yeah. really yeah. hurt your head when you look at them. Mm-hmm. But much like uh, women's lacrosse, this actually looks like a big step looks up. Looks like an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, and a really fun, but you know, I mean, and Marshall, just really, really good. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind, of the, that's kind of the headliner in this whole thing. But uh, yeah, so that's really fun. Uh, the other thing, Rob, I had uh, Jake Lowry, former JMU catcher, Manager former yeah, 2011 yeah. Um, JMU Johnny Bench award winner for best catcher in the collegiate and played nine years in the minors. Um, Midlothian kid. Uh, guy, man, whatever, he's 32 now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just ancient. Uh, but yeah, the Fredericksburg Nats, Fred Nats uh, the Nats minor league team in Fredericksburg is off to a 6-2 and two start under new manager Jake Lowry. Um, and that's a really cool opportunity at that age, you know, I, I think. So hopefully that's we'll... kind of remarkable, isn't it? I mean... it's, it's really remarkable. 31-32, managing yeah. the minor league team and kind of moving on up. I mean, they must think a lot of him. He was he finished his minor league career in the Nats organization for like three or four years. What did he, he start was, with Cleveland? Don't, yeah, I think he was mean? drafted by Cleveland. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's definitely exciting, and it, you know, um, what are, they're the single they're the single A affiliate, right? They are, and yeah, I, that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. I mean, like to, to get on that track, like you said, yeah. it in his early thirties, you've got to think like he's got a legitimate future i mean these guys are managers don't break in they're rare exceptions and i guess the game is changing a little bit now yeah but a lot of these guys don't break in until their 50s exactly you know? and there are definitely things are trending in the other direction mm-hmm. um but still at age 32 yeah figure if he's managing the single leg club not just like a bench coach or something mm-hmm. eh, the future's bright for sure and uh, needless to say, he'll be on the radar if there are ever any changes at the JMU baseball job as well. I, I <laughs> um, imagine. Yeah, I mean, at least it will be it will come up in discussions in the same way that uh, you know, quite a number of 
former JMU football associated people always come up when there's a football opening. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but congrats to Jake and, and looking for, I mean, a lot of our listeners, I would think you can get out and watch the Fred Nats down there uh, anytime. So that's pretty fun. Uh, Rob, we got to talk about lacrosse. They are now 11 and four. They are four and oh in the, in the conference formerly known as, uh, as you noted, I, I did the math today. They are, they have outscored their four CAA opponents 70 to 29. Yeah, it's so great. I don't know a lot about lacrosse, but that seems like a lot. <laughs> they are mauling people. <laughs> they're just killing people. I feel like they're really – this is the team that – it's like the entire fan base is angst and, and <laughs> anger at the CAA is finally being channeled. Through a, through a group of young women yes. that are they're just murdering people. Yeah, and I don't think it's accidental. I think they are annoyed with the way this went down. And mm-hmm. here I am, I'm an armchair yeah. psychologist, but I they're probably not doing any of those things. I'm saying they're just leaving no doubt. They know yeah. they can't. They don't have an automatic bid, and they've got one path into the postseason, and that is just thoroughly dominating the league play after picking up a couple really big wins already in the out of conference, you know, notably Virginia and Maryland, the yeah. Maryland one in particular was a huge win. Um, but they're just, they, they know they kind of control their own destiny only up to a point because they don't have that postseason tournament. Yeah. And they're just leaving no doubt. It's just, it's amazing. Isabella Peterson. It's an, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's oh just, my gosh. Mm-hmm. She's a machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it's just like, it, she's only a sophomore, right? Yep. Oh, well, she's, it's just like, yeah. I mean, she's, I think she was national player of the year. She's averaging or national like player five of the week. goals no, a game sorry. or something. Like, Didn't she have eight against Hofstra? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, she's just a machine. Here, let me, I'm going to pull up her stats. Yeah. Going back, well, and going I saw- back to the Virginia game. So coming out off the Richmond Six goals, five goals, five goals, eight goals, four goals, five goals, two goals. I mean, it's just like – and she only had two goals over the weekend because her teammates stepped up and there were multiple players with hat tricks. Um, yeah, they won by a Yeah. They're just getting it from all over. So yeah. she is quickly, you know, elevating herself to, you know, a, a potentially historic player and a historic program at JMU. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. It's just it's, – it's been really fun. They are ranked 11th in the nation. Yeah. Um, they have two games remaining. They play this Saturday is senior day at home against Delaware. Uh, and then they finish at Drexel the following Saturday. So you'd have to think like if they win one of those two, they are a lock for the NCAA tournament. Um, you'd really like for them to win both. And I think what you said is right. I think men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, there are a bunch of teams that wanted to like take out their anger on the CAA, but just didn't have the the horsepower to do so. And this is the first team that like, they, they have it right? and they're just mowing people down. And yeah. In addition to Isabel Peterson, um, just Katie Chikoski, we talked to yeah. Coach Shelley. Molly Doherty. Season. Yeah. Doherty's been incredible. She it's always makes awesome. a, Between uh, the know, a couple yeah. highlight real saves. Um, and then Chikoski, who's the redshirt senior, who's, really, you know, was so bright as a freshman and has just been, had kind of a checkered, you know, injury plagued career, but has suddenly come on. I I saw she's probably going to get to a hundred assists in this next game. Like she thinks she had eight in the last game, Uh, you know, just really lighting up the offense. So it's been great. 
really excited for them. That's why I pointed out when the national championship is. I mean, those two wins over UVA and Maryland are looking better every day. Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, I'm going to watch Maryland this Saturday, Rob. <laughs> um, hmm. We're going with a bunch of friends. Oh, you know, our, we have a family friend who plays for Northwestern and they are playing at Maryland. This is their sort of home game in the DC area this weekend. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of us are going to watch. Uh, so it'll be funny to see, but yeah, this team's legit and they have, I mean, they, they really, one more win and they're probably a lock. So let's just get it done ladies. And we're all looking forward to another run in the postseason. Um, then a couple notes that men's tennis finished their season at 14 and six. That was a really strong season um, for head coach, Steve Secord. And the guys uh, mentioned that Holden Coons um, is only a junior and he's like one of the best players Jamie's had in years. <laughs> so kind of exciting for them. I, I did note that the coach, there were some comments after the season about how proud he was of the way the kids played uh, this year with, you know, without like postseason aspirations and that he was really looking forward to competing for a Sunbelt conference title. <laughs> so I was glad to see that even in the men's tennis realm, there was uh, <laughs> some shots fired. And then lastly, I, I don't have anything really, Rob, on softball um, other than just to remind everyone that Alexis Bermudez is the only senior on the roster. So, look, they need to find another pitcher at some point. Um, they're going to need another arm or two. But the team's hitting and playing offense. So I, I know that, you know, <laughs> their expectations were sky high. But I still, there's some good things happening for them still. And I it's think it's a rebuilding of, year. It, it is. It's disappointing, yep. but it's a rebuilding year. Uh, yeah. And not just and not just pitching, but defense too. Yeah. The defense. And, and some of that comes with maturity. I think yep. that's one of those things that improves as you get a more experienced team. Yeah. Um, and I've been torn about how to cover, you know, we like Sarah Jubas is like hitting the cover off the ball as we all expected at North Carolina. Um, but I'm trying not to get like too excited, but, you know. It's a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet, right? And it's not, again, it's like of all the athletes who have left JMU to play somewhere else, like she's probably the most understandable. <laughs> like you just, she went to go to pharmacy school. Like, like, I don't really know what you want her to do. You know, she didn't in any way go to transfer to play softball. You know, um, she ended up playing and I'm happy for her that she's doing so well. And I'm, it's, it is bittersweet to see her hitting like huge home runs against Florida state and her teammates throwing her in the air, you know, uh, but good for her. So Rob, I just, I, it's, yeah. we're not going to yeah. sit here in line. So this isn't disappointing for softball, but I guess the only point we really should make is don't think the wheels have come off or it means last year was a fluke. Last year was definitely a high point. Uh-huh. And I don't think anybody ever thought that that meant JMU had arrived to be the consistent, you know, um, rival for Oklahoma, so to speak. But JMU proved that, okay, they can do it in good years. There will still be good years with this JMU softball program. This is just a little bit of a disappointing season. Um, There's still time to to make some positives out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think moving into the Sun Belt, it's kind of a, a chance to reset the entire competitive balance of the program. But the future's still bright. This is still a really, really good program. It's just having a down year, and that's what happens. You know, yep. not not every year. Even as as a mid-major power, you're going to have years like this. Um, yep. 
And nope. I think that's all we're experiencing. So. Well, and I think there's even, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses, but there's a guy that I work with now whose daughter is a, how do you call I guess a student manager or trainer for Duke softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went down to the Duke play at JMU last week in the doubleheader. And Duke is a top 15, like really quality team this year. Yeah. Um, and he went down to watch the games last week and Duke swept them in the doubleheader. And it was like, it was interesting because he brought it up to me. Like they were excited to be playing at JMU. Yeah. And that's not something that like ever happened to this program before this year. Right. Like Duke wasn't circling that on their calendar when they played JMU in the past. And now this year it's like, Oh, we're playing JMU. This is a big deal. You know? Yeah. That's a team that's done it. They've reached they reach the mountaintop. Yeah, it's a program that kind of has to grow into their status. And uh, yeah. we're, we're confident they will. Uh, I don't have anything else, Rob. I mean, um, Shane Metlin, all the guys covering, I, I think it's been funny. The, the, the sort of rumor mill is hysterical. <laughs> like, I'm really enjoying time. Shane's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me, all things. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really. But I don't have anything else. And then I got one overtime comment. I will just make your. Anything else from you, Rob? Well, could you say if if we're yeah. can we close out softball with like wow Texas, oh, yeah. Oklahoma, forty game win streak for Oklahoma coming to an end. Um, well, and we that's... talked about that last week. We had a lot of interaction on Twitter about that. Like the more I had thought about that run last year, I'm I, I think it was I don't know if it was Bennett and them that put out like it was so incredible that JMU beat them last year. Yes, it was also incredible that JMU they played them tough. They played they them really three did. times in the College yes. World Series. And they played them nose to nose. I mean, Sarah Jubas hit that home run in the game two to tie the game again. And then they and that was after they got screwed on the ball under the, the fence the, thing. Yeah, the pool noodle. Yeah, thing. where then they put the pool noodle. Like, I mean, they probably should have beat them twice. I mean, they certainly basically they lost a series two to one to Oklahoma that arguably, like, without like if that call goes another way, they probably win the series. I mean, just they played incredibly well to think Oklahoma has gone to, on to win 40 straight games. Yeah, I think people don't give them enough credit. I mean, Kate Gordon. Yeah, this, home run. this Oklahoma they had home team. Run. They, had the lead in, they had the lead in every game, right? Like, you know. Our, yeah, th- this Oklahoma team is like a Brianna Stewart UConn team or a Lou Alcindor UCLA yes, team. Like, yes. they're that good. And JMU, you know, traded punches with them. So, big time. I don't know. Yeah, no, and. Not, not down at all. So that's a good point. Uh, Rob, my last point I'm going to leave on for our little overtime tonight is I have a very angry at Flow Sports again. I didn't oh, think well, I, I didn't think I I didn't think I had any anger left for Flow Sports. <laughs> so I got to tell you my story here. I um. So I guess I bought Flow in September of like two or three years, whenever they started, right? Because mm-hmm. I would have bought it at the start of the football season. And I've done like the annual renewal for a couple of years. So a couple of months ago when we were telling everyone like cancel flow, I went and looked and like I'd already paid for it. So I have it through like September 1st of this year, which whatever, like I can watch JMU games, I guess. Um, yeah. But I never had cared about anything else on flow until this year. And then I've gotten really into, you know, I'm like nerding out about bike racing. Mm-hmm. And Flow actually has like a whole Flow bike section. And this is one of the, this is like their main thing that they do is they cover cycling. They're not as, there's one other like online provider called GCN that covers a lot of cycling. Mm-hmm. 
But the American cycling that I care about, like gravel and mountain bike and sort of endurance racing, Flo got the contract this year for this like thing called the Lifetime Grand Prix, which encompasses Leadville. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a st- a hypothetically, I could be in the background, like in the very back of the race in August, <laughs> right? Like, like I could be in the background as the leaders pass me going the other way. Um, so I was kind of excited to watch all this stuff. And then this past weekend was the first race in this like six race series. That's the first time American... There hasn't been a lot of American bike racing for anybody that doesn't pay attention to this, but like post Lance Armstrong, there's like guys here and there who go to Europe, but like nobody. There's domestiques. And it hasn't been a thing. And here in the States, it's been like a very much an afterthought. And just in the last couple of years, post like sort of COVID around this, when the interest has peaked again, there's been a big uptick in like American racing. And some of that's on the criterium scene with this, Legion of Los Angeles. There's a whole bunch of nerd stuff I could go into. But this weekend was the first race in the six-race Lifetime Grand Prix, which is like an off-road race series. It's three mountain bike races and three gravel races, including Unbound, which is like the big gravel race in Kansas, and Leadville, which is the, obviously the sort of legendary mountain bike race. Um, but this weekend was Sea Otter in California, and it was an 80K mountain bike race. And I was so excited. I got to watch it. I got up early, and I got to watch it. And um the commentators are just awful. Like I'm just a, I'm a 45 year old guy who listens to like two cycling podcasts and doesn't know, like barely knows anything. And I knew like a hundred times more than the announcers they had. It was so frustrating. So not surprising. They pronounce this, the second place woman, Sophia. Now I'm going to mess up her name, but Sophia Gomez Villafane. It's like kind of a difficult name, but not that difficult. And like, she's a like world cup, rider like a really well-known historical person who like everyone who cares about this stuff was like picking to be in the lead group and then they mispronounced her name like 20 different ways during the race like and it felt culturally inappropriate that they were mispronouncing like yeah like i i might mispronounce i might have just mispronounced it but like the guys doing the race should have learned it before the race they kept misnaming like there was one woman that they said like didn't was they were like, oh, she's a new racer. And like, she's won like seven, she went to the Olympics and it's like in seven mountain bike world cup podiums. Like, I was like this is mm-hmm. not a new racer. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I was just so frustrated. And then they like, the sideline reporter is this woman that covers it and like really knows everything. So she's down on the start line and she's clearly like exasperated with the guy in the booth who's just goofing off. It's just the same kind of BS. You know, and they obviously spent some money on this. I, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> I just was like, oh my God, this this thing is awful. So it's just, it's a, yeah, I know. It's, a, it's, it's a part of the CA that I will not miss. And we'll just leave it at that. I don't need to. <laughs> I know. I, I it, it's, yeah, it's just incredible. I was just like, this is so ridiculous that even this thing that they're supposedly really good at and they care about, and they, they obviously invested money to do this. Yeah. Like this isn't the CAA where they're like, here, sign this thing and we'll cover your game. We'll let you produce your own games. They're trying to find a niche. Yeah. Yeah. This is like their thing. Like they, you know, they cover these things. And uh I just like, oh my gosh. So standard, not gonna miss flow at all. Nope. Um, nope. We all I got. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right. Have a good week, man. All right. Go Dukes, everybody. 